0: We are so glad that you're here. Welcome to worship this morning. Thank you for joining us. For those of you joining us online as well, happy Father's Day to our dads who are here. And again, those of you who are online, um, we are glad that you are all with us today. We're going to open our service with um, scripture from Psalm 116, and it says, What can I offer the Lord for all that he has done for me? I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Praise the Lord. God, we thank you that we can come to this place and that we can praise you, that we can set aside this time for worship, that we can set aside this time for learning. God, we thank you for this family of people that we gather with. We pray for Pastor Jerry as he brings the word this morning. We pray for our worship team as they lead us in song. And God, we thank you for all of the people um, who come together to make this service a time of worship and thanksgiving. We pray that you would be in this place, that you would send your spirit as we worship you together. Okay, all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we say what it is that we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's worship together. Mm.
1: Good morning again. You may be seated. Thank you for your patience. Good morning to everyone. And yes, Happy Father's Day. Good morning to you online. We're glad that you've joined us this morning. And Happy Father's Day to those of you who are home today. It's a wonderful day, amen? And it is an honor and a pleasure to be in God's house. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Let's pray. Today, Lord, we lift up our hearts and our voices in praise to you. For you have created us and redeemed us according to your mercy and kindness. There is no one, no one like you. We rejoice in our hearts and minds, and we lift up the name of Jesus in worship and adoration. Praise your holy name. Forgive us, Lord, when we disappoint you. Be merciful to us, for we readily confess that we are weak, and we have sinned against you. We've spent far more time talking to you instead of with you. We've spent too much time considering our thoughts instead of your thoughts. Restore us so that we may live to serve and worship you all the days of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for being patient with us. Thank you for the many promises given to us through Christ Jesus. Thank you for your grace, which you have lavishly bestowed on us. And thank you for the assurance that one day when our earthly life is over, we will be with you forever. Thank you for giving real purpose and meaning to our lives here now. And thank you so much for the opportunities you give us to serve you. Today, Lord, we ask your blessings on the many ministries of faith discovery. And thank you for your presence alongside us as we minister in Jesus' name. We ask that you would bless all of the leaders of these ministries and their workers Please give them wisdom to lead in ways that increase the kingdom, that show forth your love for all people, and that bring glory to you alone. Bless those who take part in these ministries. And we pray that through their participation, they will grow in the love and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you will encourage those who perhaps are not yet involved. And help them to become a vital part of whatever ministry or outreach that you have for them. Help them to recognize the gifts that you have given them by your Spirit. And let them feel your calling this day. Help us all at Faith Discovery to let your light shine from this place. This we ask that you would be glorified and honored. And Lord, we reach out And ask for your protection for our pastor as he travels this day. Please keep himself, keep him healthy, and protect him on his travels. We pray for his family that you would watch over them while he is gone. And bless now the remainder of this service. Give us ears to hear and hearts and minds to receive what your spirit is saying to us this day. All of these things we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Take a minute and greet someone. Welcome them if you haven't seen them before.
0: welcome again we have a few announcements for you today first of all happy father's day Dad, we are dads. We are thank you for all of you, and thank you uh, for all of you who have, are with us today. And for those of you who are missing your dads today, we hold you in prayer as well. As we know, these days bring up all kinds of emotions, but we celebrate um, our parents, we celebrate our fathers as our God has taught us to. So, we're glad you're with us. If you are new with us today, we would love if you would fill out a connection card. Maybe someone greeted you this morning and gave you a paper to fill out. Um, If you bring those things over to our information center at the end of service, there is a gift for you, so we would love to get to know you a little bit. We would love to um, give you a gift, but most of all, um, we're thankful that you found this place to be this morning. Coming up very soon, we are counting down. If you haven't noticed, our our space capsule is ready. It looks like it's landed, but it hasn't landed. It is ready to take off. So we're counting down uh, 23 days till VBS. If you haven't signed up your kids yet, you need to sign them up. Um, scan the QR code in the bulletin. You can email the church office if you don't prefer to scan QR codes, or you can give um, Jess a call. She'll be happy to help you with that. Um, but every time you sign up a kid, I get an email, and I rejoice every time. Like, I get so excited that my phone dings and there's a new kid signed up for VBS. So if you haven't done that, um, please share that with um, people you know as well. Um, we would love to have a full house um And it is always a fun week. For those of you who have already signed up to be crew leaders, a reminder, we have a meeting Tuesday night at 7 o'clock right here in the cafe. And we have lots of fun at our crew leaders' meetings. Um, If you can't be there, please let me know. And if you haven't signed up to be a crew leader and are planning on it, I rejoice in those messages too. So um, those of you who have been on our team in the past, you are more than welcome back. And those of you who want to maybe try in, uh, try it on head to the moon with us Um, for a week, I would love to have you so you can see me if you want some more information. So coming up, we are preparing. Um, Also happening this week, um, Friday night is Sister Strong, so 7 p.m. in the cafe. You are very welcome um, to join that study as well. Um, You can um, see Juanita. Uh, If you don't know who Juanita is, you can go to the information center, and they will send you um, to her if you have any questions about that. And just as a a final note, as we thank you for your giving, Um, we have men's group, we have women's group, we have places to volunteer, and that's just not so um, you sit in a church building your whole week. We really try to make those places a place where you can come, you can get to know other people here, and that it is a place that you can be cared for, um, that you can share your burdens, that you can talk about what's going on in your life more so maybe than on in a big room on a Sunday morning. Um, We would love if you would come to those smaller groups that we can um, share with one another, that we can open God's Word together, um, and that's a place where you can make a personal connection with the people here because we are a family, and we hope that you can find a place where you're seen and cared for among this group of people. So, again, we thank you for your giving. We thank you for those of you who send your gifts um, through the Internet and for those of you who drop envelopes in our our boxes. We are so grateful as we um Receive those offerings as we thank God for them. And as we use them, we pray to further his kingdom here and outside of our doors. So as always on that note, let's stand as we continue in worship together.
2: Come back.
3: church leaders appreciate your ministry today good morning happy father's day how many fathers do we have in the congregation this morning oh nice welcome glad that you're here i got greetings from my far-flung family this morning via the internet my kids don't believe in hallmark so i got text messages and memes (laughs) that's kind of the way right yeah it's a lot cheaper a lot cheaper thankful for that. I want to urge you to pray for our pastor. I know that uh, Tom mentioned that in our pastoral prayer, but uh, in case you don't know, Pastor Jason is traveling for the next 10 days with his seminary class, uh, walking the footsteps of Paul in Turkey and Greece, and I'm feeling very envious. Um, But he left early this morning or is leaving early this morning from JFK and will be There with the seminary class, so pray for him every day. That'll be a time of renewal and a time of discovery in his life, right? He'll come home a richer preacher for us all. I have a... The mic sounds weird to me, I don't know why. Does it sound okay out there? Okay, sounds a little hollow to me, but anyway. I really appreciate the privilege of speaking to you. I, I, I feel like an old plow horse going back to the field. It's been a long time. Since I've stood in this pulpit, but it's great to be able to stand here today and I have very high expectations, not of myself, but of God's work. I i have prayed since pastor and told me or invited me to speak these two weeks that he is away that God would do what he we want him to do in this time, that he would make this confluence of his spirit and the written word in our minds a transformative experience. That's pretty high standard, isn't it not? So I want to—I want you to pray the prayer over the message with me this morning. If you would stand and extend your heart and your spirit as we sing a very simple chorus. I'm dating myself. This is all the way back from the 80s. A song that is a prayer. And as we sing it, ask God to make his word transformative in your life. Open our eyes, Lord.
2: Open our say that we love Him. Open our ears, Lord, and help us Just one more time. Open eyes.
3: Amen. You may be seated. So we Christians are confronted with a crisis in our culture. That's an understatement of the year. We're confronted with behaviors and choices that we find are irreconcilable with our understanding of God's word, aren't we? And I'm not talking just about the culture wars that we're a part of. If that's where your mind went immediately, I understand that. But I'm not talking to you about sexual preferences. I'm not talking to you about transgender rights. I'm not talking to you about abortion laws. Those are issues that are easy targets for Christians. And frankly, I get very offended by Christians who make their Christian witness all about those hot-button issues. Because frankly, they're not really much of a problem, probably for many of us in this room. What I am concerned about and what I want to speak to this morning is an increasingly godless culture that is making its way into the Christian experience. The substitution of a new God named self for the sovereign God of heaven. We are propagandized by a culture that says to us that what life is about is happiness and gratification in the moment. How many of you would agree with me? Nod. How many of you are not ready to commit yet? Yeah. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. Thousands of pulpits today across America will offer sermons that totally ignore salvation and substitute instead self-help messages. There's a silence too often about the call, the radical call, to love God with heart soul, mind, and strength, instead substituting for us bland platitudes and moralisms that are offered up as a kind of fake discipleship. I'm concerned about that. I don't want to speak to that crisis in the church this morning, but mostly to the crisis that exists for us right here at Faith Discovery Church. Then, too, and this is not an address, I don't believe this is true of this congregation, But so often Christian churches in America have adopted a corporate model. Would you agree? They have much more in common with a business corporation than they do being the family of Jesus Christ. And this is a dated thing, but I believe their values are more shaped too often by Peter Drucker than St. Peter. How many of you know who Peter Drucker is? Great, that was a totally meaningless comparison and I'm going to explain it to you. This is why I retired. (laughs) <clears throat> but the trouble is for the church, it often becomes about creating an image, building a product, acquiring resources, attendees, not disciples, but turned into functioning part of that corporation, useful in promoting the mission and goals of the corporation, but very little address of the spiritual transformation that leaves them deeply unfulfilled, and it's one reason that droves of people have abandoned American churches in the last two decades. They simply don't want to be part of some corporate mission. They simply don't want to become a cog in the machine and a source of resources and have very little sense that they are connected to, ministered to, and part of a universal plan of God to implement His kingdom. That's why here at Faith Discovery, and I pray it is never just lip service, our mission motto is this, making a measurable difference for the kingdom of God. That would have been a good place for an amen. Help me out. Okay, there you go. I believe, friends, there's a better way. And that's why I want to take you to the Old Testament book of Daniel this morning, where we find an inspiration for us an inspiration for a man who lived in that time in a hostile culture, a man who was deeply worked on and pressured to adopt the ways in the culture of that time, and he stood firm and became, in fact, a man of powerful influence through four different administrations. His name is Daniel. Here's the back story about Daniel, in case you don't know. About 605 BC, Assyria, which was at the northern tip of that region, swept down through the land of Israel. In fact, they swept down numerous times, but in 605 they finally reached the city of Jerusalem. They didn't really have a great interest in Jerusalem or Judah. They were, Jerusalem and Judah were not by that time very powerful or influential nation in the region, but they stood at a crossroads between the powerful empire of Assyria And the power, and the still somewhat powerful region of Egypt and northern Africa, that was the pathway. If you wanted to travel through unhindered, you needed to get Jerusalem and Judah out of the way or at least subjugated. And that's where we pick up the story of Daniel. The growing empire of Assyria had swept down, they had besieged the city of Judah, and it had finally fallen. They had a labor problem. They needed capable people to administer this huge growing empire. And so we read this in Daniel chapter one, verse three. So the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young man without any, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand, And qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. And the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. And they were to be trained for three years. And after that they would enter the king's service. Among them were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know the last three better by their Assyrian names. They were? Oh, look at their scriptural literacy all over the room. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Excellent. Daniel was young. Probably mid to late teens. He was carried hundreds of miles from his homeland. Carried into the capital city of Jerusalem. As we read there, an upper class Well educated, physically fit, bright young man who was now to be reprogrammed and retrained to leave behind the ways of Judah and especially the God of Judah, the language of his childhood, and to become a functionary in the Assyrian Empire. Try to imagine the pressure. He wasn't in prison. He wasn't going to be beaten like a slave. As we can infer from the text, his loyalty was to be bought. Daniel, here's your new opportunity. You don't have a past anymore. That's all gone. Your city's in ruin. Your temple's been sacked. The art of articles of worship of your temple, in fact, are here in Babylon, in Babylon. Here's your opportunity for the future. Eat the king's food. Drink the king's wine, worship the king's God, you've got it made. You're set for life. Powerful influence, right? I find it hard to imagine. I have a past. I have a connection. He had nothing to go back to. He had nothing to look back on. It was gone. It was ruins. But there was a future. He's a teenager. Let's say he's around 16. What would you do if you're 16, your past had been obliterated, and you're offered a reasonably comfortable future? Are you beginning to grasp the ghostly outlines of the comparison to our time? (laughs) So what does Daniel do? Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 says, so Daniel resolved. The key word, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned you your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. There's a negative lesson here in what Daniel does not do. When he is in this situation, Daniel does not rant and rage at the world. Verse 8 in the King James says it this way. He purposed in his heart. The NIV that I'm using says he resolved. Confronted by difficulty, realizing his past was largely gone, offered at least a future of comfort with great pressure to conform Daniel thinks things through and commits himself to God and to godliness. Christian, I want you to hear me on this point, and it's something I've touched on in the past with you, but we need to hear it again. Would you please stop ranting and raving? There's a lot to rant at, and there's a lot to rage about. I don't like the state of America any better than you do. I don't like our politics. I'm retired. I don't like the economy. I don't like the social scene. I'm not real thrilled about the educational system. The universities are a mess. Should I go on? But you're not going to solve the problem by posting the latest social meme on your so, on your Facebook page or an Instagram that attacks the very people that God wants to save. We are creating a vast gulf between So-called Christianity, I'm not sure what we're promoting is actually Christianity, but that's another sermon. We're creating a vast gulf between so-called Christianity and the world that God sent Jesus to save because we are majoring on things that are secondary rather than resolving like Daniel to live a godly life without condemnation, without criticism that allows the witness of Jesus Christ to become Evident. The second thing that I see that Daniel does not do, Daniel does not attack his captors, nor does he feel the need to defend his God or himself. He resolved. This teenager engages the powerful man who is trying to change his heart and mind to lead him away from the living God. He engages him in a real conversation. And he offers an alternative. He says, give my friends and me, instead of the king's food, which has been offered to idols, which was an issue for him, which is non-kosher, which is an issue for him. Give us just plain vegetables. It's not the vegetables, by the way. It's the symbolism of his commitment to the way of the dietary laws in which he'd been raised as an observant Jew. But then he says this. Take a look in verse 11 through 13 of chapter 1. Daniel says to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over him, and Hananiah and Michelle and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then... Compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. And so he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. If I can summarize what Daniel said, it's this. I'll be quiet. You just observe. See if my way is a good way. Jesus expresses the same principle in Matthew chapter 5 for us believer. He says this, and I'm using the message, one of Doc's favorite paraphrases, not, not. A contemporary paraphrase, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here. To be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. And if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? For you've lost your usefulness and will end up just in the garbage. Or here, put it this way. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going as public with this, as public as a city on a hill. I make you light bearers. So you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on A light stand, and now that I've put you there on the top of the hill to be the light, shine. Practice an open house. Generous with your lives. When you open up your life to others, you will be prompt. You'll prompt people to open up to God. Your generous father's, your generous father in heaven. I never saw, and it's an it's an absurd metaphor, but I've never seen the salt shaker on my table start dancing around and screaming, put me on your food, put me on your food. But I use salt pretty regularly, too much in fact Have high blood pressure. Why do I do that? Tell me. Why do you use salt? I love the taste. I'm not sure there's any thing as too much salt except in soup. I do it Because I've learned salt is good. It enhances flavor. What's that? And it raises your blood pressure. And And then you take medication like an American fool. (laughs) Bridge the gap. Jesus says you're salt. You're offering the world that you live in Something that should enhance their lives. In Jesus' time, salt was a preservative that should bring about a change, that should produce betterment. I know it's an old song, but I want you to hear it again. What if Christians did like the first couple generations of Christians and adopted the orphans, and cared for the foster children, and cared for the sick? and cared for their elderly, and advocated for those who were weak, and advocated for those whose rights were being oppressed, and made their life about something other than building a rich nest egg. And they were so known for making their communities better that people actually said, please move into our neighborhood. Jesus says, you're light to bring out the God colors. Again, I turn the lights on in my house. They never scream, turn me on. The lamp never dances around in the table and says, pay attention to me. When it darkens, I turn it on because I like what light does. Light adds to the house. Light adds to life. Light lifts the mood. Christian, what if like Daniel, we said to the world around us, we don't have any need to rant and rage at you. We're not going to holler. We're not going to attack. We're not going to be defended. But guess what? We are going to be the best neighbors, the best people, the best citizens, the best workers you've ever seen. So you're going to just say without a single word, please move into our neighborhood. Please work where we work. Please influence the kids that we have. Please, because we love what makes you who you are. And actually, it's a who that makes us who we are. Again, we say here at Faith Discovery, and I pray that it's more than a motto, that we exist to make a miserable difference for the kingdom of God. That's true corporately, but it starts with you and you and you and you. When the life of the Holy Spirit is at work within us, when we find the courage to serve God counterculturally, even at great cost, we become people of influence in fact the bible speaks of something called the beauty of holiness that's a phrase that captivated me in my meditations this week the beauty of holiness Holiness is too often thought of as something that ugly or pinched or something that steals the life out of the world. But the Bible says that true holiness, true devotion to God is not angry and defensive and attacking and condemning. It is full of peace and full of love and gives joy and ultimate purpose and makes us steady. In other words, it is a beautiful thing. Daniel's not our only model, by the way of a life that's resolved to God. And it's Jesus himself. Consider him. We read in Isaiah chapter 3, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. From prison and trial they led him to his death. And who among the people realized that he was dying for their sins, that he was suffering for their punishment? So how do we come to that kind of life? As we live in this crisis of culture, how do we move away from the angry and defensive life that is so often characteristic of Christians into something more akin to this life of Jesus and the life that we see in Daniel? I believe that it comes from, rather there's a clue in where that comes from in the second chapter of Daniel, verse 20. This is a later time in Daniel's life, but it's a prayer that he prays that reveals his theology to us. And some of you are saying, hang on now, Jerry, you just mentioned a big word theology. I'm, I'm not a theologian. Oh, yes, you are. You may not know it, but you are. Theology simply means the study of God, it means what you truly believe about God. You may not be very articulate about your theology. You may not be able to develop a Trinitarian view of the world or explain the atonement theory that you hold to about the work of Christ on the cross, but there are things that you believe about God, whether you understand what they are or not. And those things shape the things that you do. This is what Daniel believed. Chapter 2, verse 20. Daniel prays. Praise be to the God The name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness. Light dwells in him. I thank you and I praise you, O God of my fathers, that you have given me wisdom and power, that you have made known to me what was asked of you. You have made known to us the dreams of the king. Just a little quickly, the setting of that prayer. Daniel had now gone through his training time. It's later on. He has become, in fact, a servant in the court of the king. And the king has challenged all of his wise advisors. He says, I had a dream, but I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. You tell me the dream, and then you tell me what it means. And they all said, no, who could do that? And Daniel steps forward and says, I can't, but my God can And then he prays this prayer. So what does he believe about God? Number one, Daniel believes that God is wise and powerful. How big is your God? I don't mean in the songs you sing. He turned graves into gardens. Great song. Really? For you? He turned seas into highways, an allusion to the Israelites walking through the Red Sea. Really? Nice song for you? Does he make a way in impossible situations? Do you conceive of him as wise and powerful? When you need wisdom, to whom do you really turn? Is your first turn to prayer or Google? You say, wow, I hope it's not Google. Well, there's some wisdom to be found out. There's a lot of nonsense, too. I replaced with Jacob. Jacob really did it. I just held the tools. We replaced the top on my Miata last week. And you know how we know how to do that? No instructions came in the box. Google. YouTube. We found this clown from Ohio. Of course, he didn't know what he was doing. and Jacob did it right. But it's done. Yeah. Where do you turn? When life is confusing, whose counsel do you seek? Is Jesus for you truly wise, or is Jesus sort of this innocuous hippie from days gone by? When you read the Gospels, when you read the Sermon on the Mount, Mount, is that truth to you that defines who God is, or is that kind of like the stitched motto on your grandma's wall? Daniel believed that God was wise and powerful. God was his first resource, not his last resort. Secondly, Daniel believed that God is sovereign. There's a big word. It just simply means God's in charge. The idea of God's sovereignty has come under a lot of attack since the Enlightenment. We figured out some things that Those who didn't have the information in the past attributed to the work of God. They figured lightning was a bolt of God's judgment from a high. We know lightning is electricity generated between the clouds and friction and all that stuff. We figured out a lot of those things. We figured out germ theory and we understand that people get sick not because necessarily God's judged them, but because they got exposed to a pathogen somewhere. Or they have a DNA defect that makes them more susceptible to cancer. But as a result of all that information, too often we have turned God into some kind of a sideline issue rather than the one who is actually in charge of our lives. We've come to believe that life is a series of accidents. And as a result, many Christians live existentially adrift. They're not connected. They're not purposeful. Their prayers are not deeply full of faith because they're not sure that they can really trust God. But I can tell you, if you read the scope of Scripture, and I can tell you from my own experience, if you will trust that God is sovereign, you will discover that He is a powerful God and that He is at work in this world. Though sometimes His hand is hidden, He is working and His plans are purposeful. And He invites you and me to be part of those plans. Daniel deeply believed that God was sovereign. Do you? Number three. Daniel believed that God was engaged with this present world. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows well what lies in darkness. Light dwells with him. I thank you, God, that you have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you. Daniel did not have a theology that let God exist out there somewhere. At the time of the birth of America, there was a trend in America especially among the intelligentsia and the elite, to retain the outlines and the vestiges of Christianity, but in fact to practice something called deism. In fact, many people referred to it sort of in the language of the people, saying God is the great watchmaker. He put it all together, wound it up, and set it on the shelf, and he's watching how it works. I fear that deism has made a grand return in the 21st century even among many Christians oh God exists Jesus died for their sins but he's not really too engaged in day to day life he's out there somewhere and we sort of you know buy a policy so we get to go to heaven someday but until then uh, you know God he's sort of like the uncle you don't really know Daniel says that's not true. He says, God is a God who's engaged now. Who knows me? Who knows my need? David prayed this way in Psalm 23. The Lord is, next word, my shepherd. shepherd. He knows me. He's not just the shepherd of the sheep. He's not just Lord of his church. He is my shepherd. Knowing who I am. Is that your theology? That God knows, that God sees, that God is active and engaged with your life. Fourth, Daniel believes that God equips those he calls. Daniel, repeatedly through his book, and next week I'm going to explore the story that's very familiar you learned in Sunday school about Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel deeply believed that God was equipping him for the life to which he was called. Do you? The consistent testimony of the New Testament is that God has invested in his church, that's you and me, spiritual gifts. And so often we only turn those into, you know, things like worship and speaking in tongues and whatever. Whatever. We use some really churchy stuff about it. But the fact is, God made you who you are, invested in you, the person that you are, equipped you through the Holy Spirit to fulfill your calling. And to the extent that you discover that, You become the very best person that you can be wherever you are because it is God living and at work in you. I don't care if you're a banker, a teacher, a plumber, a homemaker, whatever it is. God has equipped you to be the very best person that you can be in life. Why? Because he wants you to be happy and rich and do a great job. Not necessarily. He wants you to live for his honor and glory. Remember, light and salt making the world a better place. Not because you're smart, not because you're bright, not because you're exciting, not because you have a charismatic personality, but because God is at work in you. About 70 years, more or less, after the captivity happened to Jerusalem, the Jews were allowed to return to Jerusalem to begin to rebuild their city. And if you read the story in Ezra and Nehemiah and through some of the prophets, you know that it was a very difficult process. It just didn't happen like that. There were fits and starts, and there were people opposing them. There were people going back to the king and telling them, hey, these people are just trying to rebuild their city because they're going to become rebels. And God sent a preacher, a fiery preacher named Zechariah, who wrote one of the weirdest books in the Old Testament. And in the middle of that book, Zechariah says to Zerubbabel, who was the leader of the rebuilding effort at that time, It is not by force. It is not by strength. It is by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will flatten out before him, and Zerubbabel will set the final stone of the temple in place, and the people will shout, God bless it, God bless it. Hmm. God wants to equip you, Christian, to serve for His honor and glory and to find deep satisfaction and purpose in that. Do you believe that? I challenge to you. Because here's what I know. Right theology will lead us to true and holy living as surely as poor or wrong theology will lead us down twisted paths. Daniel believed God is wise and powerful. He believed that God was sovereign. He believed that God is engaged in this present world. And he believed that God equips those he calls. No one sermon is definitive. And I don't even pretend that this one is. My prayer is that you will take those seed thoughts. And it will be again a conversation for you with yourself, with other Christians, with God himself. That says, Lord... How am I living as a Christian in this crisis culture? What do I believe that I should be living like? Am I more characterized, Lord, by fear or by faith? Am I rooted and grounded so that from the root will grow good fruit? It's not just your eternal destiny that's at stake. It's the legacy you leave, your children, your grandchildren. It's the legacy that you leave to the world that you're a part of. I pray that it begins a conversation in your heart, a truly honest conversation. And I wrap it up by reminding us, probably most of us in this room know this. It begins with a definitive change in you and in me. One that Jesus called new birth. We receive a gift of life that is a result of the God, the grace of God given to us through Christ, worked in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my friend, we must never forget that the heart of it all is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not philosophy. It's not moralism. It's the good news. That Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But I love this promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If anyone is in Christ, he's a moderately better person. Changed at the periphery of his life, but basically still a sinner and a jerk. No, that's not what the Bible says. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he, she is a new creation, the old gone, the new come. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave then to us the ministry of reconciliation. He committed to us the message of peace with God, therefore We are Christ's ambassadors as though God himself were making his appeal through us. And so, I implore you on God's behalf, Paul writes, be reconciled to God. And I add, through faith in Jesus Christ, become a new creation. That's the starting point. Receive the fullness of the Spirit. Become a gifted person. Begin to anchor your theology in the revelation of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. And something beautiful will happen. Can you say amen? Would you bow your heads, Father? Your word challenges us. Sometimes, Lord, I even preach way out in front of where I am in life, and I pray. You would talk to our hearts that we would begin a conversation with you about what we believe about you and what we believe about our place in the world, and that you would begin to do a transformative work in our lives that makes us truly people of salt. And light. Thank you for the example of this man. Lord, I pray that his example will speak to us. And that in speaking to us it will make us begin to aspire to the true beauty of holiness. This I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. We close our service as always with a beautiful practice of remembering the very heart of the gospel, the body and the blood of the Lord offered for us. The scripture says, for I received of the Lord what I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You become a visible participant in the work of the gospel. Here at Faith Discovery, we practice an open table. That means if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are welcome to come and receive. Receive. In a moment, the servers will be here at the front of the auditorium. You can make your way to the front, take the cup and the bread, take it back, and then we will pray and we will eat and drink together worshipfully. If you're not able to come down, there will be someone in the back that will notice you, and they will bring and serve you. Use this time as we're being served to reflect and to prepare your hearts, as the Scripture says, and then let's worship together. Tom, would you come? Laura, would you come? So we pray, Heavenly Father, for hearts that are ready. Forgive us our sins as we open our hearts to you in confession. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this holy room. May these next couple of moments be exquisitely holy and beautiful before you. Jesus took the bread. The Bible says he broke it. And he said, this is my body. What a beautiful thought. God himself made flesh. God himself Subjecting himself to our human experience. God himself. Becoming tired. Fatigued. Disappointed. Misunderstood.
2: Abused.
3: So that he could become for us our advocate. Our healer. Our hope. If you're in this room and you're in need of his healing as we take the bread this morning, if you're in need of God's wholeness in your life, thank the Savior who entered into our human experience for being your hope and your healer. We thank you, Lord. Pray for healing this morning. Healing of hearts, healings of minds, restoration of spirit. We adore you and worship you that you entered into our human experience in such a wonderful way. And pray that as we take this bread, that we will sense the mystery of your presence in us, making us strong for the glory of God. In whose name I pray, shall we eat the bread? If you're able to stand, I invite you to stand as we take the cup. This cup, he said, the new covenant, great word it's a promise he didn't say this cup a new contract that'd be scary I don't do so well sometimes holding up my end of the contract he said covenant totally dependent on me my love my grace as I've said a thousand times standing in this spot the one who knows you best loves you most Receive his covenant love. Lord, we thank you for the shed blood of Christ, the offered life, that he died that we might live. And I pray that you would cause us to die with him that we too may live a new life. Write your covenant on our hearts, I pray, in the name of Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Shall we drink the cup? to share with you today. You are an awfully quiet congregation. I'm going to have to put more on the arm and a on next week. You worked me hard. But I pray that God's word is faithful. Not about Jerry, right? It's about Jesus. Thank God. Receive his blessing. And so I pray from his glorious, unlimited resources. He will give you mighty any strength through the Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at your home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love and may you have the power to understand along with all of God's people the full dimension of the love of Christ, though it defies human understanding. And then you will be filled to the fullness with the power that comes from God. Now, glory be to God through his mighty power work work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we ever dare to imagine or hope. May we may he be given glory through the church, through Christ Jesus forever and ever through endless ages. Amen and amen. Go in peace. God bless you. Live for the kingdom.